Just a quick break to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Element. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. Element contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio with none of the junk. I'm talking no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS. Element can help you to not only reach your highest performance goals, but also will fuel you in the day-to-day to live your healthiest and most efficient life. Put to the test, Element has been used by the U.S. Olympic team, NFL, NBA, NHL, special force teams, and hundreds of thousands of humans who are striving to live their healthiest life. I've been using Element every single day for the past few months, and whether it's gearing up for a hard track workout or trying to focus on some podcast work, I always feel better, more alert, more hydrated after taking Element. You guys can get a free Element sample pack with any purchase through our custom URL. All you have to do is go to drinklmnt.com slash the running effect my favorite flavors are watermelon and raspberry salt uh would definitely check those out to get started element offers no question asked refund so you can try it totally risk-free today if you don't like it they will give you your money back no questions asked guys i'm confident you guys are gonna love it again go to drinklmnt.com slash the running effect to get your free element sample pack with any purchase okay let's get back into today's episode Hey friends, just a quick note before we hop into today's episode of the podcast. Majority of you guys listening right now have not given us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and it takes legitimately between five and 10 seconds to hit the follow button, hit the five-star review button. So I'd greatly appreciate you guys doing so if you have not done so already. And then something all of you guys can do right now is share today's episode with a friend, a family member, a teammate, someone who you think would find value and benefit from it. I would greatly appreciate you guys doing that, sharing the podcast, sharing today's episode with someone, because through that, we can expand the show and reach new people and hopefully through that, inspire them in the process. Without further ado, let's get into today's conversation. Coach Rec, welcome to the Running Effect podcast. How are you doing this afternoon? Feeling great. Thanks for having me. We talked about this before uh, we hopped on the recording, but you just wrapped up, I want to say, a track camp, and then the cross-country camp is coming up. Do you kind of enjoy this period of the year where it's not like super intensely focused on the Duke cross-country and track teams where you practice every day? Is it kind of nice to, you know, take a step back or is it still pretty like 100% for you? I wouldn't say 100%. Uh, I think every coach in the NCAA knows you don't really stop moving in the summer. Uh, I'll take a vacation after our next camp, but we enjoy putting camps on. I think it's it's really fun for us. Um, we sold out our camp last week, and we're really close to it uh, next week for our cross-country camp. So um, it's fun in the summer to bring in, you know, just high schoolers have such great energy, and they're excited to be there and to learn. So it, it's fun to be able to kind of – uh, spend some time with um, some eager high school athletes who just are, are excited to be at Duke and uh, kind of learn from us and have some fun. What are some ways in which you take care of yourself throughout the season, it being so long and recently having more coaches on the podcast for the first time, I've been more aware of just the toll that coaches take that no one talks about. I feel like it gets very little recognition, just the amount of work and the amount of hours that coaches put in year round. So what are some ways in which you kind of make sure you're staying mentally sane? And also, could you kind of speak to the aspect that I feel like doesn't get talked about enough, just about how much work and effort you put into the sport and into your athletes and program? That's a that's a great question. Um, and, you know, I, I talk to the team a lot about setting boundaries in, in their lives. You know, they're very, very busy and we ask a lot of them. 
And, um, you know, I think it's great. I have a great group of athletes that I work with at Duke and, you know, for instance, I had a baby this past cross country season and, um, not ideal timing, <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, they were great with me through that process and, you know, understanding, Hey, Hey, co-track go have some downtime. You know, I, I brought, I brought my daughter to the track, you know, a couple of days old. Um, but it, it's hard. And I think, you know, the bottom line is we have a great network of, you know, friends in this profession um, that we support each other through this. It's it's definitely a long year, especially, uh, you know, us as distance coaches, we never really stop. Um, so it's I think it's important to have, you know, a small network of, of colleagues, of friends that you can reach out to. And, you know, we all we definitely all support each other. Uh, but just you know, myself, I, I really set a lot of boundaries. Um, you know, for instance, I, Emily Cole qualified for USA's and I wanted to be there so badly. Um, I have two daughters at home, um, you know, and I I'm, was away a lot this year. Um, so I, I chose to stay at home and, uh, you know, miss USA's to spend more time with them and that. And also I think my husband probably uh, would have murdered me if I would traveled away for, for another week. But no, it's it's important just to make sure you're setting boundaries so you can be the best version of you and, you know, refill kind of refill your cup. So, you know, when the when the season starts back up again in the fall, you're ready to go and, and give the team and give the recruiting and, um, you know, you're the best the best version of yourself. Speaking of that close group of colleagues and mentors that you kind of spoke to a minute ago, what are some of the biggest lessons you've learned from those individuals that you think have kind of helped propel you in this profession? Yeah, I think it's important for any coach, really. Um, we always need to keep learning, you know, and, and, I, and I think the best coaches, you ask any coach who've had, you know, a ton of success at the highest level, they always go back every single year and reevaluate their season and how they executed their plan and, um, you know, pick other people's brains. Uh, hey, what do you think about this? Or I'm really struggling, this individual is struggling with this. I've never seen it. What are your thoughts on it? You know, um, I think that's very healthy. Um, and that's something that I always strive to do every single year or even in the midst of a season. You know, I pick up the phone and I call a lot of people uh, who I respect if I have, you know, I, I want their opinion and their perspective on things. Um, so I think that's, that's definitely a healthy approach to, to what we do in our profession. Do you ever find it difficult to pick up the phone and, and call a colleague just because of it in your mind, I'm sure is like, oh, they are kind of a competitor. I mean, depending on the coach you talk to, what their, what school they're associated with, does that ever come across your mind? Like, hey, I don't want to play my cards too much. Or are you just like, hey, I'm looking for help. And if they know it, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be afraid to ask. I mean, a lot of them are my really good friends, so I can, you know, pick at them and, uh, you know, disclose what information I want and, you know, keep things. Uh, that's kind of part of the job. But um, but yeah, I, you know, it's, to some extent, I, I guess we'll pick and choose things that we share. But we're all we're all pretty close in this profession. You also talked to being a mom a minute ago. Uh, you're the mom of two daughters, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. What's that journey been like for you personally? And what are some of the biggest things you've learned from motherhood that you've kind of transferred over into coaching as well as being a coach for so long? Some of the things you learned from coaching that you've kind of transferred over into motherhood. It's amazing. It's the best thing 
exceeds my expectations by far. You know, you hear people talking about having kids and the impact that they have on their lives and who they are. But I mean, it's just, it's awesome. Um, but I, definitely, I would say, you know, in, in my profession as a coach, I think being a mom has really um, made me a better coach. Um, I genuinely love on the the individuals on the team. Uh, they're someone's child, you know, and exactly how I feel about my girls. I'm like, there's a mom who their kids away at school. And, uh, you know, I, I know that feeling. And um, so it's just opened my eyes to like, uh, just, you know, maybe sometimes a different approach to thing to things. Um, I, I tend I'm a little intense, believe it or not, you know, so I think it's kind of softened my heart a little bit in some scenarios when I used to maybe want to respond a certain way. Now I, um, I find myself responding a different way and I kind of sometimes surprise myself through that. But I think that's, you know, raising girls and, um, you know, raising any, any children in general, I think that, um, helps you, um, in our profession in any profession, really just become more empathetic through things. With your athletes, how do you kind of balance the intense side with the soft side? And how do you personally kind of know, depending on the athlete, what to give them? Like, I was talking to Coach Santos about this. He was like, Kai Robinson, who obviously incredible athlete, won two NCAA championships. He's like, he's a guy that I know I can have very much tough love with him. And that's how he responds to be better. But there are other athletes that if I took the same approach I did with Kai, it would just mentally break them. So how do you kind of know what to give depending on the athlete. Well, and that's just it. You know, I, what we do, I, I'm a people person and I, I'd say probably a lot of coaches are, um, but very relationally um, driven. Um, so I spend a, a lot of time. I, I take every athlete out on the team for coffee uh, just to hang out with them and get to know them as people. Um, so that helps me, you know, get to know them. So I know how to push their buttons and, hey, this person's going to respond really well when I joke around with them. And this person is not at all, you know? <laughs> so, you know, it's just spending time with them and getting to know them as people. Um, but yeah, it's definitely, you got to read read the room a little bit with, you know, when you can be intense and have, it, have them, you know, respond in a positive way to it. And sometimes I got to give them a little bit of, of tough love. Um, and other times, you know, you've got to be that soft-spoken kind of the mom figure in their lives a little bit. And, um, you know, it's it's I think it's kind of fun to be able to have, you know, either of those approaches given, given the scenario or, or given the type of individual that you're working with. I kind of chuckle inside when you say, like, be that mom figure. But it's truly, you know, a fact that you have these athletes for four to five, sometimes six years, and you're with them. And in college years, it's such a, like, a crucial point in someone's life where they're becoming a new individual and kind of, you know, setting on their path for life. And ultimately, whether you go on to set world records and win Olympic medals, like running's going to end at some point for you, you know, whether you do it at the, at the highest level or whether you stop once your college years are over for you, how important has that been to kind of maybe not necessarily use like mom figure, but just be that, like <laughs> that guiding person in their life outside of running where of course you're coaching them to be the best athletes they can be but moreover kind of with that mindset of running's not going to be here forever for them trying to make them 
the best individuals they can be so that whenever the sport is over, they came out of your program better than they came into it. You know, and, you know, coaching, it's about the people, you know, it's about the relationships that you build. Um, that's essentially what draw me into this profession in the first place is, you know, the impact that my coaches had on me. Um, you know, these four to five, I guess, sometimes six years now, um, it's a, a really pivotal point in, in a person's life. You know, you're really trying to figure out who you are. And um, it's a fun journey to be along. Honestly, I, I enjoy it. That's what gets me out of bed every day. Um, and sometimes keeps me up at night is, you know, knowing, knowing the impact that I can have on, on individuals' lives. Obviously, yeah, we want to run well and we want to do some amazing things and, and cross and on the track, but it's definitely more than that. And I think um, it's important for us to, to keep that perspective, um, you know, as, as we compete. Um, but that's literally the heartbeat of, of what I do and, and why I coach is um, knowing, you know, hey, I'm going to have, I'm going to keep in touch with these people after they graduate and knowing that, you know, yeah, we, we had some challenges together, but we grew as people together. And, and I was able to kind of be on that journey with them um, you know, it's, uh, that's pretty important, an important role to have in, in someone's life. And I don't take that lightly. What are some of your favorite aspects about the sport of running? What are some of the parts that you think to as bringing the most love and joy for the sport for you personally? Mm, that's a good question. It's kind of cliche, but I'm going to say it. Um, just the process, <laughs> you know, um, seeing where someone starts, um, and being able to help them make, um, you know, great improvements and learning a ton along the way, learning so much, you know, not only about who they are as people, but learning how to be a better racer, learning how to be a better competitor, um, and being able to witness the improvements that they make along the way. I mean, there's no better, there's no better aspect of coaching. Um, you know, it, it's easy for us to say, yeah, I would, I would love to have someone come in and be at the highest level already as a freshman. Um, I'm, I would not turn that down for sure. But I think, um, you know, the joy comes from going along that process with the individual and helping them get there, making those improvements. I mean, that those are the lasting effects. And, you know, the, that's why we coach is because of that, that process that you can be a part of. It's, it's fun. How sweet are those post-race hugs with those individuals who have come a long way on their journey with you coming in freshman year, maybe having big goals and ambitions, being knocked down a bunch, and then ultimately accomplishing the goal and having that post-race hug. What are those moments like for you? Oh, yeah. No, they're great. I mean, I would say there was one hug that I that kind of stands out, and that's with um, Emily Cole <laughs> last year when she, she kind of had her her first, um, it was, it was a breakthrough year. I think she'd started the year off running 1025 or something in the steeple. And, you know, she ran 1010 or 1015 and then at USA's or sorry, at ACC's, um, made a, a huge jump and ran 948, finished second, um, you know, at, at ACC's at our home track when we were trying to, you know, every point was going to matter to try to win the team title. Um, but it was more like, yeah, the points were great for sure. But it was more like, I kept telling Emily, Em, I think you're, you're in pretty good shape. Your, your workouts are, 
looking pretty good. You know, I, I think he can run somewhere around 950 or faster, you know, and to tell someone that who's run 1025 is one thing, but to have them go out, believe what you say, and then to have them go execute and, and see it come to fruition, that hug was really, really special afterward. Yeah. I think every athlete listening, whether they're a current athlete or they're a 75 year old, I'm, if you're a 75 year old, please DM me on Instagram. If you, they probably don't have Instagram. So <laughs> shout out if you're listening and you're 75 years old, but if you are, I'm sure you can think back to when you were an athlete, everyone can think to having a coach at a track workout and the sense of accountability and like almost love and support that goes with being a co- or that goes with having a coach there that makes you want to run one to two seconds faster per rep or makes you be able to do that extra 800 when you're hurting. For you, what are some of those ways when you're at the track or you're at a trail or you're at a long run, some things you try to do to get the most out of your athletes in those moments when it's a key workout and you can tell they're hurting, they're struggling? What are some things you try to do to kind of help them get the most out of themselves? Because I just think that's an innate ability in coaches that they're able to get the most out of their athletes versus when an athlete was doing a workout by themselves. It's just not the same. You know, I'd probably say it's it's not even at the time of the workout. It's all of the time that you invest into them leading up to the workout or leading up to the big race. Um, you know, we'll have some key sessions that, you know, the team, um, the guys and the ladies are excited about. Um, so we'll kind of talk about the work, the, the workout ahead and, um, you know, those key sessions that they get pretty amped up for and they know when they run this workout in X time, they're ready to run something really well. So I think, you know, talking about some of the workouts and, you know, with the guys kind of joking around a little bit, um, they, they thrive off of that. Um, you know, the ladies probably not as much to, to that extent, uh, but yeah, I, I'd say more so just investing in them um, the entire, the duration of the season. So they know when push comes to shove, like, hey, coach believes in me, you know, that our relationship is that strong where um, they know I'm not going to, I'm going to push them enough and I'm not going to push them too hard in a, in a particular workout and that I, you know, I, I have their best interest. Kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, I feel like, for most programs, for most workouts, it's not going to be a quote unquote seeing God day and you don't want to go too, too far because it's just going to dig you in a hole. And with that comes overtraining, the potential risk of injury, et cetera, et cetera. But as you know, with people who set high goals and are type A high achievers, it's just natural to want more within a workout. What are some ways in which you kind of, and a lot of times actually in my experience, it's not even the workouts, it's the easy runs when people try to push the pace on easy runs. So for you, <laughs> what are some ways in which you have kind of tried to articulate to your athletes that, hey, sometimes getting to your goal doesn't come through pushing 110% every single day? No, nine times out of 10, my job and a lot of our jobs, uh, coach, you know, very driven distance runners is, holding them back from themselves. Uh, they are their own worst enemy, you know, especially now with Strava, uh, you know, we use Strava and it's great, but it's also problematic because, you know, they're competitive and they want to be able to brag on their Strava as to, Hey, I, these are my splits for today. Um, you know, I, I always stress to our athletes, less is nine times out of 10 more. Um, you know, there'll be, there'll be some sessions where, you know, let's push, let's, let's test ourselves a little bit. Um, but 
the team kind of makes fun of me because I always say, you know, this isn't a day where we're going to the well, you know, and I guess that's a phrase that I use a lot. I didn't even realize it. Uh, but I try to reiterate to them, you know, it's we stress consistency. Um, and on any given day, I choose consistency in training than, you know, overdoing it in our overall volume or um, the intensity of the workout or doing one more rep. Hey, if, if you push this rep and we're going to have to take off two days because of it, I'm probably going to be pretty annoyed, you know, because I, I didn't want, <laughs> that's not the goal. The goal, we always want to kind of err on the, on the side of caution just to make sure that we can get out every single day and, and put in the work that we need and recover accordingly. Um, so I'm, I'm constantly um, reminding them, I won't use the word nagging, um, constantly reminding them that, hey, less is more. Um, let's let's keep that keep that in mind as we're setting our goals on our goal sheets or you know, getting out the door on a, on a recovery day. There's a phrase I heard last fall that I, I think perfectly encapsulates what you're saying there. It's always better to be consistently good rather than occasionally great. And if you're just consistently good day after day after day, that's what leads to the extraordinary results. But if you're occasionally great and you hit, you know, one workout really hard every week, but then you screw around the rest of the week, it's like, cool, you're good one day out of the week, right, but right. it's not going to lead to much. So that's one sure way to, to get me annoyed and fired up. You'll see the, in, the intense version of coach rep when that happens. <laughs> so we've talked about patience, consistency. What are some other attributes you tried to preach to your athletes and, and try to kind of nail down for them? Obviously trust is a key component to any really strong program or, or coach athlete relationship. Um, and, you know, trust isn't just given, you know, it's earned and it takes time to build that in, in a coach athlete relationship. Um, but I think it's important for me to, you know, as I said, just spending the time to get to know the individuals on the team, because what one person is going to be excited about and thrive off a certain type of workout, maybe another person on the team isn't. And my job is to kind of read that and tweak things accordingly. Um, so, I, you know, I, I put a lot of emphasis on on reading the athletes and seeing who's responding well to this, who's not responding well to that. And having to make those adjustments, um, I think helps really earn that, that trust with them. Like they understand like, Hey, coach sees, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not responding well to this and, you know, we have to make, make an adjustment. Um, so I, I think that's, that's a key component uh, that, you know, I spend a lot of time, like I said, just making sure I'm getting to know the people on the team so I, so I can have the ability to read them really well. Buy-in and belief is something that you can't quantify, but it's something that as I've talked to more coaches, they say it's like almost, some have said Coach Carlson from Tennessee says the most important thing in terms of success he thinks is buy-in and belief of his athletes to his training. What are your thoughts on buy-in and belief and how do you get a freshman who I'm sure every single freshman coming into your program is successful and they did things one way in high school. How do you get them to, not that your training is like going to be completely different, but college training is quite frankly different. So how do you get them to buy in and believe in your program and in your system? Well, I think it starts obviously with the current team that we have here, you know, the guys and the ladies are, you know, the, the fingerprint of our program. So if we have some ladies coming in and, you know, as freshmen or some guys coming in as freshmen, the team's like, hey, this is how we do things. Um, you know, so, and it's already, at this point when they're already coming in as freshmen, I'd like to think that they're, they're pretty bought into to what we're doing and how we do it. 
obviously once they're integrated into the into the program and they actually see oh this is how it is this is hard you know it's transition is a challenge uh, but having the teammates there to to help them know remind them hey this system works you know like um so i think that's a that's a huge piece of the puzzle ha having a team um but yeah you know but you're not going to have any success if the team doesn't believe in what you're doing. Um, so that's why I, I, I really put a lot of emphasis in just making sure I'm investing into the people so they understand. I really enjoy explaining why we're doing things. Um, so they, especially do student athletes, they enjoy that. They like understanding the why, like what's the point of this workout? How are we benefiting from it? Um, and once I explain it and um, they understand it's they're like okay let's go well you know um so that that's a big piece of what we do as well you mentioned strava earlier and since your you know first few years as a coach in the ncaa and just in the coaching ranks strava instagram these are all kind of new apps that have made their way on the scene from your perspective being in coaching for such a long time how do you think these apps have kind of shifted how athletes act and for you in present day where everyone's on Strava, everyone's on Instagram, everyone's on TikTok. And they're like, hey coach, I saw this athlete do a 10 mile tempo at this pace. Like, shouldn't we be doing X, Y, and Z? What are some ways in which you kind of try to combat the comparison game, which is just everywhere in the 21st century? Uh, that's hard, um, you know, especially, you know, you see any, you can look up anyone on any team and see what they're doing. Um, you know, I try to explain to our athletes, you, you can't just plug and chug a workout you know and you know it's there's a lot more that goes into it um you know um they're at or they're at a different point in their career as well um you know i, I just literally explain um explain to the team that you know what works for him might not work for you <laughs> you know it's um that's what's so great about what we do and how coaching is so individualized um but i, I think it's also good you know we have a lot of people on the team and some people never look at Strava, other people's Strava's, they load their things and they could care less about it. But, you know, we have a lot, a lot of people on the team who are just students of the sport. Um, and I think that's healthy. They like learning. Um, and I, I enjoy that. You know, I like talking about training um, with people on the team. So I have no problem talking about different workouts and what other people are doing. But again, I put emphasis on, hey, that might work for them, but I don't know if that's gonna, that's going to work for you at least right now, you know, maybe in another year when you're a little bit uh, more mature and, and physically stronger to handle those type of workouts. There's a legendary Mike Smith quote that I absolutely love. And I, I think about quite a bit in terms of training. And the quote was, it's no one week, it's no one workout, it's the sum. And how I interpret that is like, it's the culmination of everything that makes Luis Grijalva place fourth at the world championships and then win six championships in seven years. But people always want to know about what's the one VO2 max workout you did before nationals that got you the result. But like right. Mike's like, no, it's not the VO2 max workout. It's the sum of everything for you and articulating to your athletes. How important is that for, for you to articulate to them when they step on campus in August or July or whenever it is that, hey, everything between now and November at the national meet matters is important. And that's ultimately going to decide your outcome rather than a few workouts in October and November when we're hitting it hard especially at a, at a school like Duke, I, I, I highlight that consistency is key. Um, how do we get consistency? Sleeping, um, you know, not staying up till 2 a.m. studying, you know, choosing the right uh, foods to, to fuel. Are you fueling? 
are you fueling appropriately? Um, you know, consistency is key. And, you know, as I said, it's like, yeah, you might have one week where you run a hundred miles a week and, um, crushed two workouts, but now you got to take a, a week off <laughs> because you, you overdid it, you know? Um, so I, I'd, I'd choose consistency any day over, um, you know, blasting the last rep, uh, of any key workout that we do. Uh, but it, you know, it, it sometimes it takes a, a little for individuals to learn that. And, you know, sometimes through the recruiting process, you, as you get to know the recruits that you're talking to, you can hear it that, hey, they get it. They get the process that, it, it you know, we're, you're going to build every single year and you're going to continue to grow. Um, and they can endure the highs and the lows of the sport and learn from it and move forward and not be, you know, totally defeated. You know, it's like they get it. Other people, it takes a little bit of time um, to, to understand that consistency it's it's going to take time and you have to be patient and you know enjoy that process as everybody says but it's it's true it's i guess that's why that phrase is repeated over and over again the outside world i'm sure sees you as coach rec they could read off your accomplishments see the different things you've done within this program and other programs in the past but what are some things you wish the outside world knew about you maybe in terms of not relating to running some different aspects of you as a person that you could share with us today. Oh, geez. I don't know. Uh, I I'm kind of lame. I don't really have a life, I guess, you know, it's, uh, I, I always think about, it. I'm like, Oh, well, if I'm caught up on my emails and I'm like, Oh, now I have free time to kind of do what I enjoy. And it's typically looking up results and, you know, more, more of the same. Um, you know, I guess something, uh, I do with the team quite a bit, um, well, more probably more so with the ladies. When whenever we travel, we go to some local coffee spots. Um, I'm I love coffee. I'm I enjoy trying you know any meat that we go to. Uh, it's kind of fun to go and look up some spots. Our athletic trainer is really into coffee as well, so um, we have a lot of fun with that. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of boring. I like coffee. I like my my family. <laughs> I like being a mom. Um, that's that's kind of it. I, I don't really I I enjoy track and field and cross. You know that's that's I'm, I'm kind of boring. I no, guess. I love it. It's not boring. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's not. I mean, people would do the same with me. Like, sure, I do stuff outside of the podcast and what it is my job now. I guess even though it doesn't feel like it, but it's like it's genuinely what I enjoy to do. So most of the stuff is going to be centered around that. So that totally yeah, makes I'm sense. I enjoy I enjoy going for runs when we travel and finding new new spots to run. I'm sure everybody does that. <laughs> it's not anything really unique, yeah. Speaking more on yourself as a person and just in your role as a coach, what are some of the biggest misconceptions you think the outside world or fans of the sport have about coaches? I don't know. I think it's kind of funny. I don't know. A lot of people don't really understand when I tell them, like I tra- I coach cross country and track. They're like really is that a is that a full-time job you know (laughs) um so i think that or like you know when the season's over they're like oh you must get what do you do when the season's over and you do well i mean i guess our seasons are never over but you know they kind of assume we just do nothing um and there's definitely a lot a lot that we do when when we're not in season so i think just that um you know people don't really understand all that there is to it which makes sense.
Something I'd love to talk about is, you'll have to correct me on any of this information if I get any of it wrong, but a few years ago, I want to say, was the first time that Duke had someone break four minutes in the mile, and then you have an incoming recruit, Jackson Hydish, which I've kind of named him the king of Iowa, so I'll say the king of Iowa for podcast fan's sake. He's coming in, and he ran 359. What is it, what's the feeling like having a kid come in who's broken four minutes in the mile, having only just a few years ago had that happen in the program for the first time? And also just speak to Jackson because I love the kid to death. I know, right? Yeah. Um, Jackson's great. Um, you know, I actually, I got coffee with he and his dad last year. Speaking of uh, coffee fans, um, just got to really get to know him a lot o- over that time, um, you know, sitting down together and then obviously through the recruiting process. I can't wait to have him on the team, obvious for obvious reasons, athletically, but you know, more so who he is as a person, um, he's going to be great to have around. He's he's excited. He's bought in. He's um, really excited about Duke and, and what we're doing here. Um, but, yeah, no, it's huge. It's huge for the program. Um, obviously, you know, we knew Jackson was underdeveloped last year and watching him run. You know, you, you can kind of tell when, some hey, that kid has it and he, he's going to be good in a couple of years. You know, you just can't predict the future and know he's going to go run 842 and, you know, get fifth at NXN and go break four minutes next year. You know, that was a nice little cherry on top for us. But it's great for the program that, you know, we can be in the mix with some of the the top recruits um, in the U.S. as we're really trying to, you know, get our program up and running um, on the distance side of things and track as well. Um, So that's huge. but, you know, it's it's exciting to have someone who had the success that he had and um, is bought into to what we're doing and, and the guys on the team and, and what we're building here. Um, so I think it's going to be a fun next couple of years with him. I'm looking forward to it. Outside of athletic accomplishments, as well as at a place like Duke, academic accomplishments, so athletic and academic, with those boxes checked, what are the biggest things you're looking in for a potential recruit, different attributes, different skill sets, different language they have with you in meetings? Like what are some of the biggest things you're looking for in a recruit of someone who you think makes a good match for the Duke program? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I spend a lot of time getting to know them uh, through the recruiting process. Um, I like to ask some hard questions (laughs) along the way. I think that's important to do so, you know, um, how do they respond to challenges? What are some challenges that you've had that, you know, you've experienced and how'd you overcome it? You know, just learning, learning about them as people, um, believe it or not, you're going to experience challenges in college, uh, specifically at Duke, you know, it it gets hard (laughs) and you're going to have to learn how to adapt. Um, But um, yeah, no, I I think personality wise, I, I have them, you know, I spent a lot of time talking to the guys on the team, obviously, and, and the ladies on the team and making sure that, you know, they, they're going to kind of fit into to what we're looking for uh, personality wise. Um, but, you know, I think the biggest thing is I want people who are good teammates and, you know, obviously they, they want to win. They, they're competitors. They know how to win, find ways to win in races. You know, those are key components. It's one thing if, Somebody goes and runs, you know, 440 in the mile. Um, but, you know, did they get pulled along? Did they get sixth, seventh, eighth? What place did they get? Or if you find someone that's 
winning races when they might only run 445, but they never lose, you know, those are people, that's a competitor. And, you know, it's really hard to teach that, they, you know, s tactics and that savvy racing ability. So when you see someone at the high school level have that, um, you know, that, that's someone I definitely want to work with. But, you know, I, I put a lot of emphasis on the right people joining our program. Because um, if you have a really talented person coming in that, um, you know, isn't a good teammate, that might not work out well. Uh, or doesn't like to work hard, that might not work out well either. You know, so that obviously we, we get to know them a lot through the recruiting process. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up just the, the fact of how academically prestigious Duke is. And I'm curious, how do you as a coach help these individuals coming in freshman year? I'm sure it's a four or five year struggle for them. Balance, you know, athletics, academics, and then I'm sure kids want to have a social life as well uh, and just a, and a life outside of athletics, academics, whether it's social life or something else. How do you kind of help them weave through the tough elements that's just naturally college and far transcends the sport? I'd say college in general, um, no matter what school you go to, is, is going to be a big adjustment. Um, you know, more so at, at Duke, I think it's more so the people that you're surrounded with in, in your classes. Uh, you know, a lot of these individuals are used to, you know, being the top of their class. And now you're surrounded with an entire class of people who are you know, just as smart or smarter, you know. Um, so I think it helps, you know, having the guys and the ladies on the team right now. You know, I, I put a lot of emphasis on balance and having them learn perspective. It helps when the team already has that, you know, and, and they're living it out. So when freshmen come in, they're surrounded by other people who, you know, hey, we work hard for sure. And, you know, academically and at practice, we work very hard. But, I put a lot of emphasis on having fun and enjoying this. You know, you're not going to do well in any area of your life if you're not having fun, you know, along the way. So I want, I want practice to be the highlight of their day. Uh, you know, they're coming and hanging out with their best friends and obviously getting better putting in work. Um, so I think that, I think that helps making sure sometimes we, yeah, we have very lofty goals and I want them to, you know, be very focused on them and and we put the work in but we're not gonna we're not gonna have success if we're not having fun so i, I try to make, keep that light-hearted approach when we need to have it that's important it's of my opinion personally that the foundation for team success is team culture and even how you have a mindset like having fun at practice is through team culture and a culture that accepts that as the norm for you, the coach kind of sets the the um, rhythm, for lack of a better word, of what the team culture is going to be. What are some ways in which you build up a strong team culture? The word culture is very, uh, it's used quite a bit nowadays. Um, it, I, it's obviously huge. Um, you know, I, I think spending, taking the time individually that I take with, with the, the people on the team, um, and investing in them and having them understand exactly what it takes. You know, you say you, you set these goals and, you know, let's check the boxes on, on every area of our life, making sure that, you know, we're, we're doing everything in our power to make that happen. So I think it starts individually and then, you know, having it uh, collectively. Um, but, you know, I, I think 
the success that they've had uh, really uh, pays into that. You know, if someone's running well, um, they're going to be even that much more bought into what we're doing and um, they're, they're improving, they're setting PRs, you know, that definitely doesn't hurt along the way. Um, but I think, I think it's more than that. I think it's them knowing that, um, that I genuinely care for them. I think you're going to have someone really go to bat um, in a race or a workout when things get tough. You know, it's that's that's where culture is. It's that we're one unit. We're in this together and coach has my back and they believe in me, um, whether this goes the way that it's supposed to or the way that it's not. You know, and when you have a group of individuals that all have that approach and that outlook, uh, it's really powerful as a whole, uh, you know, as, as a team. I think you're very, very, very qualified to, to speak on the question I'm about to ask, having coached and seen so many incredible individuals throughout the years. A question I get asked all the time, a question I ponder on all the time is, what does it take to be great? So in your opinion, what does it take to be great? You know, I'll, I'll start out with the easy answer is, is, is talent, you know, to an extent. Uh, but more than that, um, I would say being able to um, persevere and overcome when when things don't go great um, or if there are some hiccups along the way it's really easy for you to just start doubting everything hey my training's been broken and you know I, I've had I had to cross train a couple of days and you know that all or nothing approach you know it can be really defeating and debilitating and it's the people that can learn from the failures or the setbacks or the challenges that you have and respond in a positive way and help that, you know, um, those are the people that endure, um, you know, our sports, a very patient sport and you might not have the amazing success that you want in one year, maybe even in two years, but if you are dedicated and persistent and can continue to overcome the setbacks that are a part of our sport, you're going to thrive and you're going to grow in, in our sport. And it's those individuals, obviously, that have the genetics of all that helps, you know. Um, but, you know, at, at this level, at the highest level, you know, the best of the best in the NCAA or, you know, um, at the U.S. level, everybody works hard, you know. Um, but it's are you going to be able to endure um, and, and overcome the challenges along the way and how you respond to it? Coach Rack, perhaps the most serious question I'll ask you today to close out the episode. If you had Gordon Ramsay coming over to your house for dinner, what would you choose to make for him? Oh no, I'm going to disclose some information. So I am not the cook in the house. <laughs> my husband, I'm always at practice, so my, my husband tends to do the cooking. Um, is it a, is it dinner? Is it lunch? Is it breakfast? What do, what did you say? I keep it very vague for that reason. I I want to hear if there was one meal. Like a, an easy way to say this is like, what would your husband say is the best meal you make? Oh geez, um, I I really let me think. Um, Peanut butter and jelly. I mean, carrots I, and hummus. I, I, I'm not that bad. I don't know about that. Um, I make I make a good grilled cheese. That's that's pretty bad. No, don't 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 say that. Um, I don't know what what do I make? I make I love making Greek salad. That sounds that's good. 
a pretty lame answer. It's we, it's the summer. We've been having a, a lot of Greek salads, so we'll keep it light and we'll have a good a good Greek salad. It's all in the olive oil, though. You gotta get you gotta get some good olive oil. Uh, my husband and I went to Italy a couple of years ago, and once we taste the good stuff, you you, you can't go back. You can never go back. So, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Gordon Ramsay aside, uh, do you make your own coffee, or do you normally like go to coffee every day? And if so, if you make it, what kind? I mean, I, there's so much. Every week, I learn of a new way to like brew coffee, which is interesting. Yeah. So um, let's see. I guess now, over ten years ago, my husband for my birthday got me a Chemex. And, you know, we, you know, it was when they first kind of came out. So um, we were like, all right, well, let's see if this is that good, you know. So we made our regular, uh, you know, machine, whatever, brewed coffee. And then we did the pour over and we tasted both of them and couldn't even compare, you know. So we were like, all right, we're all in on the Chemex. So, so we do, we do pour over every day. Sometimes, with two little girls who, when you're tired, you know, sometimes you wish you had the, I had already made when you woke up so you could just set the button, but you know, it's, it's that much better. So I don't, I don't mind taking the time to do it, but we buy, um, we buy beans locally. Um, there's a couple, there's a place in Carborough. Actually, I go on to the other side, closer to that other blue and white school that I won't name. Uh, <laughs> no, there's a good place in Carborough. My husband's friends with the guy who, who runs it. So we like to support his, his place. It's called Gray Squirrel. It's pretty good. Well, Coach Rack, it's been an absolute pleasure learning from you, hearing your story, and just all your different thoughts on deep questions I asked you today. Greatly appreciate it and looking forward to seeing all the continued success for the Duke Blue Devils program. So keep up the great work. Thanks so much. We're excited to keep building. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Running Effect with Dominic Schleter. I don't take your time for granted, and I hope that today's episode impacted you and left you walking away inspired and all the more motivated to chase after your biggest goals and walking away a better version of yourself. Make sure you're following the podcast, have given us a five-star review, and consider sharing with a friend. Through that, we can reach new people and hopefully inspire them in the process. Also, make sure you're following us on social media at The Running Effect to stay up to date on all the exciting projects and all the new episodes coming out. Generally, we release two to three episodes per week, so stay tuned for all of those coming your way shortly. I hope you're running and life is going well. Guys, keep chasing mastery, and I will catch you in next episode.